Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rudman. We're going to, you know, we like to talk about this a lot, but we're going to talk about manhood again. I mean, obviously we had a podcast episode a couple episodes ago where we talked about the crisis of masculinity. There really is a crisis uh, of people really are. Our culture really is confused about what is a man and, and the secular culture really is against what we would say is mm-hmm. biblical manhood. Uh, it's really not good. And we we need we need strong men. We need men in the church to to rise up to to step into the call of manhood. But they need to know what it is mm. and what it's not. Yeah. Now, Dan, you've been doing this this really cool thing at your house Tuesday nights. Now you've yeah. been gathering a bunch of young men yep. together. Uh, I don't know how many. I haven't been there. It, yeah. it conflicts with my schedule. Obviously, yeah. I would want to be there. Total, it's been probably a dozen. Yeah, a dozen yeah. guys but meeting meeting together, and you guys yeah. have been talking about manhood. Yeah. So yep. just kind of. Talk about what you've been doing yeah, and what you've yeah, been thinking about lately. Well, that kind of formulated this podcast, right? Yeah. I mean, is that I've been thinking about this. So actually, if you go back to our podcast, Sam, you'd have to tell them numbers. But um, we did a, a, a series on leadership. Yeah. And we did a series, obviously, on biblical masculinity and femininity, yep. actually. Yeah. You know, we kind of camp on the masculine thing. But um, we've done both. And so bringing those together, what struck me, yeah, is like, so even what I'm doing recently in my home is not new. I mean, there seems to be this wave. Everybody's talking about this stuff, but I've had, you know been talking and trying to build into young guys for years. Yeah, decades. Yeah, and it's not just young guys. I mean, I mean, I had an eight seventy-year-old and eighty-year-old in my house for breakfast yesterday talking scriptures. It was really fun. Yep. So, um, uh, but you know, you, I met you, Sam, at a hunting retreat. Where same thing. I mean, I would, I, I, we would create any kind of setting we could to get yep. a bunch of guys together and talk about fundamentally about who God is in the gospel. But then tying it together with who you've been created to be as a man. Yeah, so, exactly. So we could call it that. Whatever you want to title this, we have these conversations. I think it's discipleship. I think it's men becoming men. And so um, so this current setting I have, in one sense, isn't new to me, but it is a, a new setting started this fall yeah. with a bunch of young guys, and that's what you're referring to. And so what has struck me, there's, there's two verses that are kind of a couple key verses that, I've gone, uh, that I go to on this. And I've been talking to the guys about, and then, yeah, let me talk about the setting. I just want to share the verses with you. So the first one is a common one that people, again, are using or have used, and I've spoken on it numerous times at men's retreats, but it's this simple verse in 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen. There's these exhortations, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, mm-hmm. be strong, and let all that you do, uh, all you do be done in love. Yeah. In each one of those little statements, like be on the alert, um, I love it when you get a chance to have a, like even a retreat or a number of weeks with guys because you can take each one of those statements and, and really un- unpack it. Un- unpack it. It's yeah. really fun. So I don't want I can't do that here uh, on our podcast. But but what I've been trying to help these guys understand are a couple of things here. Okay, so first there's that whole passage, but it starts with be on the alert. Yeah, which means to pay attention, which means to be vigilant. You know, yep. pay attention. You know, the devil a roaring lion. Seeking yep. to devour you, that sort of idea. Men on the wall, Nehemiah. Watchmen on the wall. Yeah, Nehemiah going at night and surveying the walls and paying attention to what's going on. People calling on Nehemiah to respond, Sanballat and the guys, and he's going, no, I, I got a job mission to do. It's because he's paying attention. Yeah, you think of Jesus in the garden, hey, watch and pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, We could just go on a whole road of this. But it's it's fundamentally a call, an exhortation, actually a command, yeah. to pay attention. 
And so the other passage then that I would tie with that, just sim- simply, and this is where we're going to go into our podcast, I think, as I was sharing this with Sam, and he's, he's like, oh, I want to go down this road, right? Yeah. So was one I was just reading, I've been spending time in First Samuel recently, yep. just thinking about this. And there's this passage, First Samuel 2.26, it struck me. It says, now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and with men. I want you to think about that, both with the Lord and men. And so when you tie leadership to manhood, fundamentally what I've been explaining to these guys, and it's really interesting, we have guys in a group, some guys that didn't have a dad in their lives, and they're looking you know, for an older man simply because this is how this works. It's older men that pass this on to younger men. Yeah. And so what's interesting to me is these young guys keep expressing that as much as some of these guys are even in, say, Bible churches, they don't get this. They don't have settings right. where men are pouring into young men. Right. And they're missing it. And they need it. They need it. And they could go to, you know, you think of, you know, tr- groups in the church, which are great, you know, say small groups or Sunday school, but even then they're co-ed, they're mixed. They went to public school, same thing. They're in a classroom. They're all mixed, meaning men and women. Mm-hmm. Again, nothing wrong. There's things to learn there. There's things to gain there. But there is something very specific and unique about getting guys together. Yeah. And I've seen this in these hunting retreats and things we've done for the years. It wasn't about the hunting. Guys would say, I've never been in a setting like this, where guys could just talk like guys. People, yep. Sometimes people don't realize, like, when you get guys together, they, there's things they do. Every guy listening to this knows. <laughs> they know. <laughs> they know. Some people don't know. It's like going on a basketball court, playing pickup basketball. Guys actually fight and argue. And then they get done and their buddies and they go do something together. Yeah, and it's awesome. It's fun. It's just what they do. And a girl would look at that and go, you guys this look like good. you hate each other. And yeah, you're like, what are you talking about? We love each other. Right, right. But <laughs> Oh, yeah, we disagree. We're arguing. Yeah. Okay. But it doesn't rock us, right? We could have a whole discussion it's about that. It's even how guys buy, b- even, even, even a dad and sons sometimes, you know? You know? Yep. A wife, well, you guys argue a lot. Blah, blah, blah. It's kind of what they do. Mm-hmm. It sounds, again, some of it's sin. I get all that. But there is something about that that is like... There's a masculine component to that. So to create a setting where a bunch of guys can get together yeah. and actually talk. So um, what I do is I get guys together. I kind of do it. I'm, I live in the country, so it's kind of fun. I have a, you know, like right now it's the fall. It's beautiful weather. So I have a griddle and a, you know, and a grill. And, I, and not even that. I'm this 60-some-year-old guy making a big meal for these guys. Yep. You know, big greasy burgers and, you know, fries and melted cheese and all the craziness, right? Yep. And so I say, come on over, I'm going to make you a big meal on our deck. And we eat a bunch of food, and we talk. Mm-hmm. And there's some guided talk in it. And so I've been sharing with these guys, there's something about you guys becoming men that's, you know, there's, we can get more into that verse too. There's about doctrine, it's about learning of the Lord, it's about walking with God, it's about dealing with sin. But there's also something about a gravitas of a man, a man who walks in a room and the other men can respect him. Yeah. Stature, favor with men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there actually is something about that. Yeah, and gravitas, like a weightiness to it. Yeah, a weightiness to us. And, and every guy's going to have a different, we have different personalities, but I, it, it is true, this is very an, an interesting thing, you put a bunch of men and they walk in a room and they figure out the hierarchy pretty quick. Yep. Another thing that women don't tend to do as much. No, they want fairness and equality. Yep. And guys are like, no, this is hierarchy. Yep. He's the boss. And we want that. And, every, and we want it. And we gravitate towards it. People yeah. just pick up on it. It's it's really interesting. A guy will, like, <laughs> they are attracted a guy to it. has bested him, he is he actually wants to submit to him in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. So I got friends. I'd say, oh, I'm I'm going to war with I'd follow that guy to war. Yeah. I've heard certain men preach and been around certain men. I'm like, oh, I'd follow that guy in a day. Yeah. 
I, I literally would submit to that guy. Yeah. And it's just, it's this natural thing. And again, the women listening to this may not, I don't know if they fully understand that. I, I'm not getting in the woman's mind here. And it's not my point. But guys do gravitate towards us. So yep. you create a setting. And so there's something about that favor with the Lord, certainly. Yeah. Right? That's the supreme reality, but also a favor with men. Yeah, they recognize us. Right. And so one of the aspects of that that I'll just say, so we get these guys together, we eat a big meal. And the first thing I want them to do is this idea of vigilance. And um, so I want them just to talk about what they've been thinking about yeah, and, or something in the news. I actually tell them, I want you to pay attention. I sat on my deck the other night and I said, guys, you may have never thought this way. I know we live in a GPS world, blah, blah, blah. But you're sitting on my deck. You should have a sense that that's north, that's south, that's east, that's west. That's called being vigilant, paying attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to overstate that, but you really should have a sense of what's going on. Yeah. Be able to drive down the road in your community and go, oh, the house wasn't here before. Or and it's it's a developed skill set. Yeah. That 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 a man needs to develop. Pay attention. Pay attention. Look what's going on. Why did that person wall. say that? Well, I wonder what they're talking about. You know, what what's going on in the news? So I'm trying to get these guys to cultivate that. And it was interesting. One of the first weeks, one of the guys go, Well, I never do that. And I'm thinking, exactly. That's my point. <laughs> and you know, I'm picking on him, but you know, like not. You're not going to squash a guy, but that's exactly my point. Yeah. Uh, a, a boy, in contrast to a man, is more interested in himself. He's self-centered. Yeah. A man is looking out. Outward. Outward. For a reason, though, in order yeah. to. Mm-hmm. And well, he, so he's ready and prepared to protect, oh, and defend what he thing. needs to do. Whatever, family, whatever. Kids. Just carry out being a man, right? Yep. So sounds it sounds really crazy. Sounds maybe for some people listen. I hope they don't. But this we need to help men do this. So so we we start our first while we're eating food, guys are on their table. What do you think about guys was you know I, all I could think about was you know concrete this week. I'm studying my civil engineering blah blah blah, and I thought about this and blah blah. blah. Okay, great. But it was interesting. The, all the different things the guys are thinking about. One guy's thinking he works. For, he's a younger guy, single, maybe mid twenties, maybe pushing late twenties. Now I've never I didn't ask his age. Probably 25, 26, 27, somewhere in there. Anyway, he works for a, a major, you know, major company, mm-hmm. Fortune 500 company. And he's been thinking about this, like, you know, as he moves up, and he's been moved up in a number of steps, yep. you know, oversees a bunch of people now. You know, sooner or later, they're going to ask him to do certain things, you know, yep. respond to whatever the latest pronouns are or whatever. Right. And he's, he's, it was great for him to go, you know, I'm thinking about this. Like, how am I going to respond? And what do I respond? Yeah. I mean, does every Christian walk away from all that stuff? Or if he had a wife and five kids, he might say, you know what? There's some certain hills that I'm just going to not die on because I have to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, I mean, he opened up an app, absolutely real scenario that these guys are going to have to face. Right. And and we didn't, again, our goal in our, in our time with the men isn't to go down every one of these roads. I'm just so glad he's thinking about that. Right. And I affirmed him. I'm like, yes, every man's going to have to think that through. Yep. And we're going to have to be gracious with one another because one guy may feel like, wait a minute, I got to bring food home on Friday on the table and I'm not going to win this fight over here today. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's compromising his faith necessarily, but everybody's going to have to figure that out and it's going to get harder. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're going to need comrades. Yep. We're going to need brothers that believe in us and stand with us and even challenge us. Maybe you should draw a line there, yeah. Sam. Maybe you shouldn't. You know what Sam's saying? Those are going to be tough things. So it's just wonderful these guys are thinking about this stuff. Another guy brought up, he was watching uh, in the month of September. I mean, this is a 20-year-old guy. Think about this. He said, I've watched this. He said, I can't hardly believe it. 
there were 260,000 immigrants that crossed our border. Yeah. In just September. Isn't that insane? And he said, that's half the population of Wyoming. Mm-hmm. He said, we just displaced a half a state. Mm-hmm. You know, again, just that he's thinking about it. He said, this is, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I wonder how many people, how many men, young men, are even paying attention to this going on. Right. Or even thought about it. So, so vigilance, vigilance, okay. vigilance okay. is is my point. That's what we're talking about. And then we're using, uh, you know, it's not so much about a book study, but we're we're trying to have some kind of guided discussion. Yeah. So we're using uh, Michael Foster's book. It's, it's good, good to be, to be a, man. a man. If you haven't read, it, I tell everybody it's a good book. I mean, there's other good books being written. I think you know, Owen, but it's very Owen, it's very Owen digestible. Strange. Yeah, Owen Strange just came out with it. I haven't read it, but yeah, the War on Man or yeah, whatever. Guys are addressing the stuff yep. you've mentioned, and so so anyway, we use that book. Say, just read a chapter. It's very digestible, easy. And it gives us some content, and there's right. biblical content there that's fit in this whole context. It says, let's talk about this now. Yeah. And so for the next 45 minutes to an hour, we just, you know, what'd you read? What'd you grab? What was in there that you grabbed? So so with that said, I came to Sam because I've been on my own, my own just, say, devotional life, if you want to say that. You know, I've been reading through and thinking through for Samuel. Mm. That's where I, st- I stumbled into this. And I started stumbling into all sorts of terminologies about men being worthless men, yeah. men of valiant, you know, valiant men. And Sam, you know, you guys know from, if you've listened to our podcast, Sam's, 40, almost 40 years younger than me. <laughs> Good grief. But he, he currently is in this mode of kind of the resident scholar because he's locked up in his room working on a PhD. You know, anybody that's done any of that, he devours books and knowledge. And so he's kind of fun because I don't have to be the walking encyclopedia. I can just say, hey, Sam, what do these words mean in the Hebrew? You know? <laughs> I mean, like, I think I know I'm not in a basic lexicon, but you got that detailed stuff, so jump into this for me. Yeah, I got so, the catalog. So really, lexicons. he let me have this 15 minutes here to kind of give you, this is the introduction, really. I wanted to think through some of this stuff in Scripture, because the more you read it, you realize it's jumping out in lots of places. Right? Yeah. And you found that out when you started, went down, after I kind of said, hey, go look at this. You, you, you tip over a rock and you're like, oh man, there's something here. Yeah, right. And so, I, you know, Sam's going to run with most of this and talk about what he found under the rock. But, but I just want you to know the context for me is this idea of men certainly walking with God. There's all sorts of things we could talk about doctrinally that men need to know and obedience and prayer and the typical stuff that guys do here but this other stuff guys don't necessarily hear what's it mean and i even say that to you sam what's what's it look like and what are some of the contrasts for a man to have stature before men mm-hmm. you know a, a good man let me say it that way yeah that man is a good man yeah what is what's so i'll just let you you know you roll dude it's your podcast gent for, for the most part <laughs> i'm just kinda, i'm just kind of here you know tagging along so but I am interested, and in, you've told me some already, but tell me some of the stuff you found, and let's just roll. Well, yeah, I mean, you you brought up a different text to me, 1 Samuel 10, 26, 27. We'll get to that, but I want to start with the text you did mention, yeah. First, first Samuel 2, at yeah, the sure, very end, with, sure. with yeah. Samuel growing in you know, favor and stature. Yeah, you know, in the, interesting. With, with the Lord, Lord and, and, and with men. men. Yeah, so interesting. that got me thinking, okay, um, you know, what is, what is Sam, who is Samuel being contrasted with? Mm-hmm. And the same is true with this First Samuel ten passage that you mentioned. You have some, so you have some wicked men being contrasted with these valiant men. Yeah. And what I really wanted to dive into, and what I did dive into, you know, I flipped over this rock and kind of led me down this trail. Like, oh man, I really haven't done a study on this before, or seen this before. And that's what's so amazing about Scripture is 
man, there's so much there's so much in scripture that you never even imagine being there. All these cool breadcrumbs that you can follow oh, and you go, oh, Sam, whoa. Right? What I just <laughs> joked about. Sam, I'm 40 years older than you. I've been a Christian for 40 years. And I've been turning over rocks for 40 years, and I haven't. There's a whole bunch more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people people wonder, you know, how can how can there still be PhDs written, you know, something added to this body of knowledge on, on theology and biblical yeah. studies? So, because God is a genius, and he put way more in the Bible than we ever even imagined. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, okay. You could study it for 100 lifetimes and never get yeah. uncover every so rock. So it's really fun. So go ahead. Anyway, so if we go back to 1 Samuel 2, you know, at the very end, you—, you uh, well, verse 26, you quoted, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. Yeah. So the commentators say, like, he's growing physically. Okay. And he's growing spiritually. Okay. So uh, obviously, he, he, yeah, he's he's getting taller. He's he's maturing yeah. physically as a man. Yeah. And this is, people are recognizing this. Yeah. Uh, but then also he's growing spiritually. In favor with the Lord and also with man. So, the, so obviously God is seeing this uh, and recognizing this, yeah. and then men are as well. Yeah. But Samuel, in this whole first, you know, few chapters of First Samuel, he's, you know, he's being contrasted with these these sons of Eli, uh, Eli the priest, yeah. and and so, if people know the story, Samuel's a son of Hannah. Yeah, and he's living with Eli. Yeah, so if you remember the story, yeah, just you might. Th- wanna... This is fascinating. Now, uh, I'm going to go back one chapter. I'm going to. I'm going to. Yeah, it might be worth. It. Yeah, Some yeah. people may not know the story. So, read First Samuel. You guys will see the story. It's a great story. So look at this. I'm going to start in verse 12 of chapter one. So Hannah, she's 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 praying to God for a son. Yeah. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. You you guys have heard the story before. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. Yeah, right. And Eli said to her, how long will you go go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Verse 16, here's the verse I I want you really to key into. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. There's that the word that I'm going to, this is going to be the word now for the rest of the podcast. Okay. Worthless. Yeah. Uh, a worthless woman. For all along, I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace. And then the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went over her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. So God answers her prayer. Yeah. He, he gives her, she's been childless. Uh, uh, her womb's been, um, yeah. you know, closed and God opens her womb and she has a child. She right. vows that, you know, if, if God gives her a son, she, right. she'll give him to the work of the Lord basically. Right. And that's where she entrusts her son to, San, or to, to Eli. To Eli. Yeah. Cause Eli's the priest. And so he basically, right. so, as a young boy is now. So Samuel's handed to Eli as a gift. Yep. You raise this young boy yep. up. So this is fascinating. Eli looks at this woman, Hannah, who is praying. Her lips are moving, but there's no voice coming out. She, you know, we could say she's praying in the spirit with words too deep, you know, yep. groaning's too deep for words. Yep. Can't express it all. Can't express it all. But, yep. Sa- Eli thinks she's drunk, and and he thinks in a sense that she's this she's a worthless woman, and 
Now that word, I'm going to try to pronounce it. We Dan and I were even talking about how do you pronounce this word? <laughs> There's some Hebrew words. Belial. Is that is that how you think? Belial. Well, we heard some some guys that we appreciate say Belial, yeah. and then we also saw phonetically some would have said it was Belial. Belial. Or Belial or whatever. So, anyway, B E L I A L. Yeah, to, to that would be theory. the the transliteration. Yeah, into, in, so into English. Belial or yeah. Belial. So you can decide how you want to say. And it. it's a compound word in Hebrew, and it's it brings together these two words. One means without the first part of it, and the second word means um, a being of value or having value. So without value. Without value. Worthless. Worthless. Okay, got it. Other, you know, you'll see different uh, interp- or translations as wicked, mm-hmm. um, but or good for nothing. But yeah, this idea of being worthless. Mm-hmm. So he thinks that Hannah is this worthless, wicked, mm. good for nothing woman. He's just, you know, drinking wine, being dumb. Now, the irony is that she's not. She's actually a godly woman. Yeah. And then you get to chapter two. Verse 12, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. <laughs> In his own household. His problem. own household. There they were. She thinks, he thinks, Eli thinks this woman is worthless, wicked, good for nothing. Right. Turns out his two sons are, are that. Yeah. They're, they're worthless men. Yeah. Now, this is fascinating. As I started to dive into this and cover this rock, this, this term, you know, worthless, so that's interesting. Uh, but it's, it's used in a construct... That's a fancy word or saying you basically put two nouns together. And it's, it's, the English doesn't translate it this way, which is kind of fascinating why it doesn't. But the word men is actually not even used there in the Hebrew. There's a Hebrew word for men, uh, but it's, it's actually sons of worthlessness. Mm-hmm. So now the sons of Eli, they were sons of worthlessness. And you can think of, um, just think of your Bible often, you know, you have son of God, you have son of son of man. These are really positive terms. You have son of lawlessness and then you have son of worthlessness. So it's, uh, you know, often something is, is connected with the word, the noun son. And I don't know, it has a certain connotation. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad. Descriptive or something. Yeah. Yeah. But nonetheless. Well, like a title? Yeah, a title. There's a title. Yeah, there's a title. This person falls into this category. Yep. Right? Yep. And so there's no other that falls underneath you know, the son of God, son of man. That's only Jesus. Yeah. Right. So anyway, these guys are sons, sons of worthlessness. And now what I want to do in this little study of this, really, this is going to be a, a, a study of the the title son of worthlessness. Like mm-hmm. what, who is, who are these guys? Mm-hmm. What What is a son of worthlessness? Yeah. And I think it's fascinating, first of all, from just the very get out. Well, and by the way, that helps this discussion we have with young men because yeah. Once you understand this, you can see the contrast. Exactly. And then you can say, this is what we're supposed to become, not this. Not this. Right. Exactly. So it's good to So if we want to know what biblical manhood is, true manhood, we need to know what it's not. Right. And that's that's not, what this study is it's anyway. It's not a right. worthless man. It's not a son of worthlessness. Yeah, right. But even the very even the very title, son of worthlessness, I mean, I think it's fa- it's such a like politically incorrect title. Yeah. <laughs> You're like the Bible's literally saying there are certain men in this world that are good for nothing. They're they're worthless. That's actually how it would come out in the biblical study. Yeah. Good for nothing. Good for nothing. 
without yep. value. Not just a name we throw around, yeah. you know, out in the country somewhere. And when's, right. Oh, good for nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Literally. No, literally. Yeah. The No, literally. This man is good for nothing. Good for nothing. Whew. Man. And, you know, the synonym would be wicked. He's a wicked man. Yeah. Good for nothing. Now, you do know you're going to come to one of my Tuesday nights and teach the guys this, right? Yeah, I'll have to. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to tell my church group that I'll have to miss one night. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Um, so, okay, what? why are Eli's... Now, this is the question. Yeah. We're going to do a little bit of a character profile because there's all these... The, this this son of worthlessness, that, that title shows up throughout the Old Testament. That's what you started uncovering. That's what you started uncovering. Especially in First Samuel. It shows up multiple times. Well, that's why I jumped off the page at me, huh? I know. Okay, right. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll, we'll try to develop a little bit of a character profile then of, of who these sons of worthlessness are and what they do, what they're about. Now, let's think about Eli's sons. They did not know the Lord. There's the first thing. They did not know the Lord. Mm-hmm. The custom of the priests with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling and with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, all that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to, the, uh, to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, Let them burn the fat first, and then take as much as you wish, he would say, No, you must give it now, for... And if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. So they didn't know the Lord, and they they didn't treat the offering, or they treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Mm-hmm. Now, these two men are are contrasted with Eli or with Samuel. Verse twenty two. Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. Mm-hmm. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? They would not listen to the voice of their father, for it, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Verse 26, your verse, now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and favor with the Lord and, with, and also with man. Mm-hmm. So here you have that great contrast. Samuel is not. So textually, what, there literally is God made sure there was a contrast in his word for us here. Yep. yep. He's, he's showing us something. Yep. Samuel is not that. Mm-hmm. He's not a worthless man. What is a worthless man? Uh, don't You don't know the Lord. Right. You're, you're treating the, the offering of the Lord with contempt. Mm. And... and and they're they're literally being sexually immoral. Yeah, they're they're sleeping with women. Yeah, and they wouldn't listen, right? They wouldn't li- and they wouldn't listen to their father. Right, the voice of their father. Yeah. So there there's four bullet points you could say. Yeah. Under this title of son of worthlessness. Yeah. There's your message, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Four point outline for your talk. Yeah. Boom. Okay. Don't know the Lord. Treat the the offering of the Lord with contempt. Uh, sexually immoral. Sexually immoral, and you don't listen to the voice of your father. Yep. There you go. Boom. That's the son of worthlessness Whew. right there. And Samuel is not that. All right. So then we move along. <laughs> oh, my. I mean, it's fascinating. We're reading this ancient text, and all you got to do is look out your window or pay attention to what's going on. Oh, you on. see guys like this all the time. That's my point. It's just crazy. Yep. Oh, it's bizarre. It's like, that guy's worthless. Yep. 
That's what yeah. that's what's guts. And we think we're being like um like, oh, that's an overstatement. Yeah. Certainly, he certainly has some worth. I don't know. That's not how the Bible talks about it. <laughs> just la- oh my goodness. Okay. Okay, wow. so now we wow. have now we have Saul, you know, Samuel becomes an adult. He's this priest. Blah 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 blah. The Israelites, they want a king. Uh they're rejecting God as their king. They want a they want a human king, king. like everybody else has. Or like everybody, all the other nations yeah. around them. We want a king like all the other nations. Which is interesting, is God's kind of gracious and gives them a pretty st- guy with some pretty decent stature. Yeah, on the front end, right? Gives them what they want, and and it's fascinating that he knew this was going to obviously God is sovereign over right. all things, yeah. but in Deuteronomy chapter seventeen. Mm-hmm. Through Moses, he even gives them, and when you want a king, and when you say we want a king, here's what the type of guy he's, he should be. Yeah. So this was already written down. Yeah. So chapter 10, verse 17 now. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mitzpah, and he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses, and you have said to him, Set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Then they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people the rights and duties of the kingship, and he wrote them in a book, and he laid it before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his home. Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor, whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellows said, How can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. So, so Samuel basically, you know, presents Saul to the people. Here's your here's your king that you've been asking for. Look at look at him. He's he's taller than all the other men. Look at him. Look at his stature. Mm-hmm. This is quite the guy. At least, at least his physical stature. Physical stature. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the that's the thing. Like uh, he physically speaking was all was like the perfect king. Yeah. But God looks at the heart. That's why yeah. David was going to be the true king because right. he had a heart that followed the Lord. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. Nonetheless, though, it's interesting here. The very end, verse 26, Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor. Yeah. So there's your, there's that word, you know, there's that, that strong man, mm-hmm. worthy men. Um, we're following him. Competent men. Yeah, we're following him. Yeah, we're following him. Yeah. And it says, whose hearts God had touched. So yeah. God had had affected them in some way. Yeah. Verse twenty seven. But some worth 
worthless fellows. Now, this is the ESV. And you used worthless a couple passages ago, too. Well, yeah. And it's the same word. It's so, so again, in the Hebrew, yeah, it's the same word. It's sons of worthless. Belial. Yeah. Sons of worthlessness. Okay, keep going. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to distract you. But. So it's, again, the English kind of confuses us a little bit. Okay. I wish, I wish it would just be consistent. And every time that, sh- that, construct shows up sons of worthlessness they would just translate it as sons of worthlessness yeah but often i don't know why but they translated as you know some worthless fellows yeah right but it's it's literally sons of belial sons of worthlessness okay and they're contrasted with just as eli's sons were contrasted with samuel Mm -hmm. now these these men of valor Mm. Who, who's, who God had touched, whose hearts God had touched, yeah. who follows Saul. God's anointed now. Yeah. God's king for their people to save them from their enemies, yeah. to fight their battles. See, and it, it, that's interesting, Sam. It's, it's what we were saying earlier. Like, I don't want to take us down a rabbit trail. Um, I want you to keep going, but I'm, I'm just struck by this, that you know, we've talked about providence before. I've had a number of young guys talking to me recently, and I've been sharing, talking about providence. In other words, um, these men were were seen as valiant men, mm-hmm. valor. Yep. At the same time, they're men that the Lord had touched their hearts. Yes. And that would fit with this idea of stature and favor with the Lord and with men. Yeah. And all I'm saying is that whether somebody actually could look into the heart of a man who says, oh, he knows doctrine, he walks with God, there's even a way a man lives his life and carries himself as a mature man mm-hmm. that has a stature. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, you think about this, this is the conversation we have with these young guys. Because they, a number of them on a Tuesday night, you know, a number of them go to, in fact, the other night they were, let's see, they would have been, of the group of guys, there were probably three or four different churches represented. Yeah. And they go to churches that teach the Bible. Yeah. Or they go to, you know, a Bible study with a bunch of guys or they they do this sort of sorts of things and it's all good. Right. And they're talked about how to be good Christian men. But often this discussion does doesn't go to this place to go, but what's this mean to be a good man? Yeah. Yes, of course, the ultimate good man is a man who walks with God. But there's more to it mm-hmm. in the sense of when you live in this life and live in this world. And what I mean by providence is a man learning, growing up, you know, learning to, you know, lead, learning to be disciplined, work hard. These are some of the things that's interesting, right? Yeah. These are the things that some of our non-Christian pe- voices in our world are hitting on. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jordan Petersons, mm-hmm. the, the, some of these guys. They're hitting on that side of it, mm-hmm. and it's very attractive to men. And again, it's just that's another whole discussion. But I just think we've we've missed a bunch of this. That's my point. Yeah. And so, it, so this is. I mean, this text. Is, I don't think we're reading into it. This is the point. This is the point. So these are men of valor. They're valiant. They're uh, but another even way so, to translate. They're brave. They're courageous. Right. And yet, the Lord has touched these men's hearts. That's why. So, so they have both. Yeah, and that's why they're that. Yeah. Well, that, true. True. But they do represent something. And what I'm saying is even a little bit of contrast there. Saul could have the physical capabilities right, or even play the role. And some of that's not wrong. This is It looks right. But, right. but in time we'll see Saul, Saul's heart was not right with the Lord, even though he had the other package. 
But that doesn't mean you dismiss the other package. You know, you, you, got, you got my point, right? Say that again. <laughs> I zoned out. <laughs> I'm just saying there, that there's something about, so if I'm raising a boy, yep. when I say I'm trying to teach him to be a man, as a Christian man, I, that's obviously I want him to know God, which at the end of the day is ultimately a work of God. But yeah. I want to set, you know, I want to set him towards north. Yeah. So I'm going to teach him. Let's just say we're going to catechize him. Yep. We're going to teach him doctrine. We're going to teach him truth. We want to demonstrate before him what's it mean to be a godly man. But in addition to that, I want to teach him to be a man. Mm. I want to teach him to, you know, to buck up a little bit. And, and work hard and realize you're going to live in a fallen world that's not going to be easy and you're going to have to sweat and you're going to have to do these things. And that's not some misogynistic machoism. No. That, that's, you know, it, it's, again, it's, it's, it's part of the stature of a man that you walk in the room and you have stature with other men. Yeah. You can look a man in the eye and you can shake his hand and you can talk and you could walk in a room at 25 and sit down with 40-year-olds or 50-year-olds and actually be a man with them yeah. and carry on a conversation, kind of know what's going on, pay attention, and it's not like you're a little boy. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm getting at? And so oh, I, I, yeah. that's what's unfolding here. So in a sense, what we're going to see through all of the book of Samuel, which you may not get to all today, Saul had a part of this in the sense that he had the stature of a mature man. Well, even before that, though, this is, this is fascinating. Okay, Obviously, we know that Saul had a, a bad fall. Right. But he was still God's chosen one in yes, a sense. Right. Well, he was. I he get was. That. And, and, but and, what and, I'm saying is, but he, no. But look at this. Yeah. Go ahead. Verse nine. So Sam or Samuel finds Saul. Yeah. He anoints him as king. Yeah. This is before they present him to the people. Yeah. And he said, when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. Okay. So God literally did something to Saul's heart. Yeah. When he was anointed as king. Okay. Did something to him. Good. And then, obviously, then we get to the point to where now, okay, he's presented to the people, right, as king, right, and and these men then, Samuel says, go back to your homes, for now, mm-hmm. and these men that followed Saul then, says that they were men of valor, yep, who whose hearts God had touched, right, that's good. So there's something about, there's something about being a brave, courageous, strong man with stature, with gravitas, with weight, yep. And also, it's connected to a heart that God has touched. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, yeah, and, and all I'm saying though is that a man, there are characteristics of just being a man. Yeah, that some of these again, our current voices out there, are touching on. Yeah, that are attractive to our Christian young men. Yeah, and 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 I've heard this. They're like, why aren't we in our churches talking about that? Now, if you were just to have just that, you'd miss. The other major component of a man actually knowing God, knowing God, and that's and that's, I'm saying no, it's both and. That's all my point is. It's, I'm like, it's no. both and, and it needs to be and right. That's the the funny thing is like that's why when you go down the red pill movement, and that just means these red pill guys are guys that are, for the most part, referred to non-believing men, as you said, who people are recognizing have some facade, outward facade of, yeah. of manliness. That's what I'm saying. They look like they have a stature. They look and there's they a certain look... sense in that they have some characteristics that aren't right. 
that we'd say, no, those are actually are right. bad but characteristics. It, those characteristics don't stem from a heart that's been touched by God. Right. So they're self self absorbed. They're self absorbed, and yeah. if anything, if you really follow them, you're gonna you're gonna get burned. Yeah, because they're gonna go down the wrong road. And eventually. a lot of these men, what are they? They're men who they're pickup artists. Yeah. They're men. Who, this is how you bet a, a hundred women. That's what their message is, yeah. and you I've need about, if you I've want to bet hundred women, you got to yeah. be strong, you got to be competent, you got to you got to do good in business, you got to make money, yeah, you got to be assertive, and we say all these kind of outward characteristics, and some of them are good, but their whole goal is yeah. fundamentally flawed, right? So they're gonna burn you, and they're like a they're like a, a flower or a butterfly or something that is mocking the real thing, right? And then you eat it, and you so know. they could look like they have an outside outside stature yeah but according to what we're reading They're here in dead. scripture they would actually be sons of worthlessness sons of worthless even though they look like they have the sons of worthlessness thing, right yeah. yeah good and that's that's, that's good. why you need both you need you need the heart touched by god yep you need to know god you need to follow god's law right and you and then that leads to the proper display of these, these it, should, it should lead there right yeah yeah and, and it will and that, right well, and that's why I'm just saying I think we need to emphasize that more. And that's why it's a little bit of a contradiction yeah. when we see men who say they know God, and yet there's something just off about the way they live their life, and you go, oh, there's something not right about that. Yeah. Now, I mean, because, oh, man, you read First and Second Samuel, and you read, it, you read about David, who's a man after God's own heart. Yeah. That guy, yeah, he had some ma- major failings. Yeah. We, you know, we all know him. We're yeah. all sinful. Yep. But, boy... Was he a man? Yeah. That guy went and killed thousands of Philistines. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Again, I, people, I don't know, in this culture, when I talk like this, people might think I'm emphasizing the wrong thing, but I want to go, no, this this is really real. For him to be able to do that, I can tell you this. He wasn't sitting around being some fat. He wasn't fat. fat. He wasn't a fat couch potato. No way. There's no way. There's no way he could have done that. That's all my point is. I think, of, I always think of Paul. Yeah, he had his infirmities, and we don't know, but doggone it, the guy got on a horse and chased down Christians Yeah, there, before he knew the Lord. There had to be something about his zeal and ability, and then you think about all he endured. <sighs> and I don't want to go down that road, but I mean, you think of it, he talks about all the lashings and beatings, and I'm like, that guy had to be a stud, man. Well, no he, antibiotics. He think about this, folks. No antibiotics. <laughs> no painkiller. He didn't have ibuprofen. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, oh my God, goodness. And he endured all that. He got that one time. He got. They thought they killed him. They stoned him. Yeah. And he was literally near dead. And then he it says he got up and went on yep. the next city. Yep. Again, I don't want to overstate that in some weird, twisted way. But let's not dismiss this. That guy was tough. He was tough. He had to be tougher than we could ever tough. even imagine. And he was smart. Brilliant. Brilliant. Had to be able to be wise. Yeah. Wrote all this stuff. Did all this stuff. I'm just like, you know. Renaissance man or something, you same know. Same with some, David, son of court, and you're saying David was the same way. David was ruddy and handsome. Yep, isn't that interesting? Yep. Ruddy and handsome. Yep. The girls liked him. Yep. He was a shepherd. He killed lions, bears, and bears with his sling. <laughs> Give me a break. When he was a boy, and then he goes and kills yep. Goliath. Yeah, and, and then again, he becomes right. this. They say he's an expert in war. Yep. Has all these amazing military exploits. Yep. He 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 he's an of all the men, yep. of all the people in Israel who who could possibly be chosen to play the leer for Saul when he's being tormented by this demon. Yeah. 
they find David is has a reputation in all of Israel of being the guy to know how to play the lyre. He so he's he played music. He he like literally he's actually probably like a prodigy at it. A musician. A musician. Yeah. And then he writes all these Psalms. Psalms. Mm-hmm. So again, just with again, rich theology. Yeah. So again, gifted. No, I mean, and he leads. He's yeah. a leader. But all of that's worthy of saying, "Oh, I want to become more of that. I want to become all I can." Yeah, be. yeah. And I've been given a package, and my package yep. might be different than somebody else. Yeah. But, but I want to enhance. I might all, not have all the potential of that. But I want to work at all of that. But he's an ideal, and obviously Christ is yeah. the ultimate Davidic heir, yeah. yep. and he's the ultimate ideal, right. the perfect one right. that we aspire to. But nonetheless, back to the text. <laughs> This, there's this contrast. So what, again, if we're building this character profile of these sons of worthlessness, yeah. what do we add here? Well, we add, but some of the wor- worthless fellows, these sons of worthlessness, said, how can this man save us? Question mark. And they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. So God is saying, Yahweh is saying, here's the man I chosen for you. He's going to save you from your enemies. This is God's way for them for yeah. now. Yeah. And they reject it. So what is a son of worthlessness? Uh, a guy, a man who rejects God's ways, who mm. rejects God's anointed yep. means, yeah. who rejects God's plan for salvation. Right. Who rejects God's anointed one. That's a son of worthlessness. Yeah. And then they d- they despise him. Yeah. They hate him. Oof. Man, you can think of some men who, you know, real good pastors and, and, and preachers in our world right now that are really doing the Lord's work, and there's certain men that despise them. I know. I hate what they isn't, say. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's so interesting to me because there are men that I'd say, oh, yeah, they're strong. They're strong personality, and they stand up and they say things. And it just, I find it fascinating. People want to take shots at them. Oh, they all despise the time. them. I'm like, okay, it doesn't mean the guy's perfect man nobody ever said that but he definitely is a man yeah and he's definitely a leader and he walks with god and he's speaking truth and you're gonna say i mean i i had a young guy tell me one day about a particular leader that i i think would be one of these guys it's just a he's a great man and he would represent this <laughs> and somebody said tell me i think he grieves jesus because I guess the guy wasn't nice enough or something. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Ugh. I don't think he grieves Jesus. Yep. Yeah, he has his own personality, and he has his way of saying things and doing things. That, But it's like, oh, it's crazy to me. That's good. Yeah. So now we're going to jump to, uh, where are we going to jump? First Samuel 25 now. Okay. And... Uh, this is fascinating. This is the story of David and and Abigail and okay. Abigail's husband Nabal. So just yeah, starting in chapter twenty five, verse one, now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran, and there was a man in Ma'an whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and and 1,000 goats, which, like, is crazy rich at that time. Crazy rich. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful. 
I just think it's fascinating. That discerning thing. and beautiful. Discerning and beautiful. She could think, wise, and she, she was, was gorgeous. Yep. The woman was, uh, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. Mm. Again, this contrast. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent 10 young men. And David said to the young men, go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you and peace be to your house and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shears. Now your shepherds have been with us and we did them no harm and they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young, your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son, David. So basically, what's David saying? Well, okay, they're, they're, his men are in some need, are in, in need. They need some food. They need some provisions. And Nabal's, some of his men were in Carmel and were under the watch and care of David's men. And David and his men did them no harm. They actually protected them. And so basically, David is going to come to Nabal and say, hey, I did you a favor. Mm-hmm. I protected your men. Mm-hmm. They lacked nothing when they were with us. Yeah. You can return the favor for my men, and we need some food okay. for the most part. And what does Nabal do? Nabal answered David's servants, who is David? Who mm-hmm. is the son of Jesse? Now, it's interesting, the son of Jesse, That's usually that, that phrase is usually used in a negative connotation. Mm. Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed from my shears and give it to men who come from I do not know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, Every man strap on a sword. And every man of them. And every man it's of like, them, oh, oh. Yeah, strapped on a sword. David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went <coughs> up after David while 200 remained with the baggage. So they're like, okay. David's like, you wicked man. I did this. I provided for your men. You can provide for mine. And then this Nabal mocks him and says, I don't know who this guy is. Of course he knows who David is. Mm-hmm. He's already been anointed as king. He just has to wait for God to, you know, get rid of Saul. And, and Nabal just totally treats him with contempt. Again, back to this whole idea of what is a worthless man? A worthless man or a son of worthlessness is one who you know, rejects God's anointed in a sense. Now Abigail is this, Abigail is this, she's this godly woman, woman and she uh, helps David out. I don't want to read all of it because that would take too long. But if we get down to verse 25, it says, nah, let not my Lord, so Abigail's speaking, let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal. For as his name is, so he is. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. So there we have it right there. Nabal is called a, worth, a worthless fellow, which again in the Hebrew is a son of Belial, a son of worthlessness. Yeah. He's, he's just a, he's a wicked man. He rejects David. He rejects um, the anointed one. Anyway, that's interesting. Interesting, yeah. We jump now to chapter 30. And another interesting story where David's David's wives and his his men's wives are captured. 
Okay, where are we at? Uh, chapter 30. Okay, got it. They're captured by the Amalek- Amalekites. And so jumping down to verse 16, we won't read all of the stuff about them getting captured. Verse 16 says, And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because all the great spoil that had been taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down. So basically starting in verse 16, David goes on this rescue mission to save the wives of him and his men. And Mm -hmm. verse 18, David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, this is David's spoil. Now, Mm -hmm. to preface this, I should have mentioned this already, but uh, some of the men, David's men, were too weary too tired and exhausted to actually go on this rescue mission. Mm-hmm. So they had to stay back. And then yeah. these other men that had some energy left, they went with David to sure. to do this rescue, this rescue mission. So then verse 21, then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook Bazaar. Bazaar. I don't know how to say that. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows, there's our phrase again, sons of Belial, sons of worthlessness, among the men who had gone with David. So these are the men that actually went with David to to, yeah. to get back the wives. Sure. What did they say? They said, because they did not go with us, speaking of these 200 men that were too exhausted, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we had, we have recovered, except that each may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, you shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who for as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. Mm-hmm. They shall share alike. And he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. Mm. Now that's just fascinating. Yeah. These a guys. A lot could be thought about in that, right? Yeah, I don't even know how to all, all unpack it, but these guys are, in a sense, being selfish. But it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if you were to think through, you're in that situation thinking, but wait a minute, we're the ones that went and fought for this stuff. Yeah. But there's something about this was for the community. Yep. For the for the glory of God. And, and his, it was God's spoil. Yep, for his name. Yep. God, God was the one that delivered these Amalekites into their hand. Right, even God, though God used them, but... but yep. But didn't need to. It's not. It's not theirs to di- to, to dictate. Right. Well, it's just mine. Yeah. No, there's, it's God's. Man, there's a boatload of applications on that, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, you can think about that with salvation. No, these are not my quote unquote converts or disciples. Right. They're disciples of the Lord. Yep. Um, I mean, you could go down a lot of roads with that. Yep. Well, we think about it with any of our possessions. Yeah. Like, oh, I earned this. But, he, but he, I got right. this. But even a sense of just uh, even graciousness and even um, generosity, generosity, care for others. Yep. And, uh, and even a graciousness, I don't know, you know what's, what's, what comes to my mind, and it might not be the perfect application, but like when I was saying to that young guy at the at the meal a couple nights ago, yep. who was saying, boy, I have to think this through, what, where am I going to draw lines? And part of it, I said, yeah, and we're going to have to be gracious with each other. Yep. Because where you need to draw those lines, again, some of them may, we all may need to draw certain lines, but other times there's, no, I can understand why you might need to draw that in your posture or yeah. position. It could be different than somebody else in life. And we're going to have to share with one another and be gracious with one another. Yep. 
realizing that the Lord's providing for all of us, right? So there's yep. there's a lot of application. Yeah. That's another whole discussion, but there's a boatload of application here. Right, because then in verse 26, David says, When David came to Ziglag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. There you go. Yeah. It was for those in Bethel, in Ramoth, of Negeb, yeah. in Jatir, in Aror, in Sifmath, in Eshtimiah, in Rakal, in the cities of the Jeremalites, in the cities of the Kenites, in Hermah, in Barashan, in Athak, in Hebron, for all the places where David and his men had roamed. There you go. So it's for all of us. Yeah. It was, it was gracious. It's from the enemies there. of the Lord. Yep, yep. Yep. Benevolence, graciousness. There's a place for that. Yep. Right. So. Yeah, a worthless man. These these guys were called sons of worthlessness. Yeah, they wanted it. They thought it was theirs when, in all reality, it was God's. <laughs> and they don't have the power to dictate where it goes. Then uh, that brings us to a couple more. That's that's it for the first Samuel uses of the term. But there's a couple more even earlier. Uh, there's one in one use of the sons of worthlessness in Deuteronomy of all places. You know, Moses is giving this this final speech to the Israelites, the Hebrews is right before they're about to enter into the promised land. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he says this, this is fascinating. Can it, fit, it fits with the character profile that we've been developing so far. He says in verse 12 of chapter 13, if you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God is giving you to dwell there. Where that, are you at now, Sam? I'm uh, sorry. Chapter 13, verse 12, it of, says... Of... If, of Deuteronomy. Oh, Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's okay. Got if it. you right. hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God is giving you to dwell there, that certain worthless fellows, there it is, sons of worthlessness, okay. have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of their city, saying, what do they say? They say, let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known. Then you shall inquire and make search and ask diligently. And behold, if it be true and certain, that such an abomination has been done among you, you shall surely put the inhabitants of that city to the sword, devoting it to destruction. All who are in it and its cattle with the edge of the sword, you shall gather all its spoil into the midst of its open square and burn the city and all its spoil with fire as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. It shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. None of that, none of the devoted things shall stick to your hand that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy and have compassion on you and multiply you. As he swore to your fathers, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping all his commandments that I am commanding you today and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. So what is a worthless son of worthlessness? And this was a guy who says, hey, let's follow after other gods mm-hmm. and not the one true God. Right. And... He's known as worthless. He's known as worthless. Yeah, good. And the wrath on such a person in such a city that this man is in hmm. is so fierce, like burn into the ground, all of it. Let it be a heap. Don't rebuild it. Hmm. And it, this whole big burning of the city and all the people in it will be a big offering to the Lord. It's just fascinating. Hmm. God's wrath is is fierce on on such a such a, a man and such a the product of what he does, leading people away from the Lord. And man, you think about that today, all these certain preachers and people who preaching false gospels and false messages, drawing people away mm. from the true gospel. Yeah. And that's why Paul is so harsh in the beginning of the Galatians. If a, if a man comes, if I even come back or an angel from heaven comes back yeah. and preaches a gospel contrary to the one I gave you, let him be 
accursed. Yeah, anathema, huh? Anathema. Yeah. Such a man would certainly fit under the category of a man of worthlessness or a son of worthlessness. Yeah. And then the final one that I... Well, there's two more that I really want to look at. One of them is uh, um, in Judges. Obviously, the whole book of Judges is just just bad. <laughs> it's bookended by the phrase, like, people just did what was right in their own eyes. Right. And so it's just chaos. And you kind of have these really brutal stories in the book of Judges. And one, this is one of the most brutal ones. This is just wicked. It's a, a Levite and his concubine. Yeah. And this Levite and his concubine, they're, they're in Gibeah, and they're going to stay in the square that night. They have no place to stay. Okay. What verse? Uh, I'm, ta- I'm starting to summarize kind of all of chapter 19 because I don't want to okay. read it all. Okay. But then this, this certain man, he's, he's coming from the hill country of Ephraim, and he's sojourning in Gibeah. And he sees this Levite and his concubine in the square, and he says, hey, basically says, hey, you shouldn't stay in the square overnight. Come into my home. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of you tonight. And yeah, it's an awful story. Right? Yeah, verse 20 of 19, and the old man said, peace be to you. I will care for all your wants. Only do not spend the night in the square. So he brought him into his house and gave the donkeys feed, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. Now here we go. Verse 22. As they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, of the city of Gibeah, worthless fellows, there it is, sons same, of worthlessness, same word, yep. surrounded the house. Now, this sounds very familiar to a uh, story in Genesis, uh, in Sodom. <laughs> Beating on the door, and they said to the old man, the master of the house, bring out the man who came into your house that we may know him. And the man, the master of the house, went out, to them and said to them, No, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Since this man has come into my house, do not do this vile thing. So I'll just stop there. I mean, it sounds exactly like like the, the the two angels that were staying at Lot's house in Sodom, right? And and all the men came knocking on the door. Hey, bring yeah. out these two men. We yeah. want to have sex with them. Yeah. That's literally what they're saying. We want to know him. We want to know this man. We want to have sex with them. Mm. This is wicked, pure wickedness. And so what, is this, what does this guy do? What does he say? He says, Behold, here are my virgin, uh, my virgin daughter and his concubine. So the, again, the Levite has his concubine. And then this guy, he offers up his virgin daughter and the Levite's concubine. Let me bring them out now. Violate them and do with them what seems good to you. But against this man, do not do this outrageous thing. Hmm. But the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and made her go out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. And as the dawn began to break, let her they let her go. And as morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was until he, it was light. And her master rose up in the morning, and when he opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way, behold, there was his concubine lying at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, Get up, let's be going. But there was no answer. Then he put her on the donkey, and the man rose up and went away to his home. And when he entered his house, he took a knife, and taking hold of his concubine, he divided her limb by limb into twelve pieces and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And all who saw it said, Such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came out out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. So, gross. Just crazy story. Uh... Terrible story. Terrible story, and I don't even I don't even know all to comment on it. But obviously, what we're 
keying into was the, the sons of worthlessness, these men that did this horrible thing to this this concubine. Well, first they wanted to have homosexual sex with this this Levite mm-hmm. who was spending a night at this sojourner's house. And when he wouldn't give this Levite over for them to have homosexual sex with, they give the, his concubine to them and they just abuse her all night long. She ends up dying. And then what, what does this guy do? He cuts her up into 12 pieces and sends her to the 12 tribes of Israel in order to, as, a, as like a like a wake-up call, like, hey, look, look at what is happening in Israel. Look at what wickedness is taking place. Wow. So what a what a like crazy story, re, a real story. This actually happened in the nation of Israel during the time of the judges when there was no king and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And they they rejected the law. That's what happens. But again, back to the man, the men of worthlessness. Okay, we can put we can put under that you know these wicked, sexually immoral type of guy. Obviously, homosexuality falls under that. Rapists, uh, men who abuse women like in gross, wicked ways, like that. That's a man of worthlessness. Oh man, sons of worthlessness. Yep. That gets back to that sexually immoral category that we saw with Levi. Yeah. Or uh, Eli and his sons. And of course, well, yeah, that's fascinating, right? Because there's all these bizarre charges being thrown around, even towards, um, you know, even Christian men. Yeah. Some, you know, the terms misogyny and stuff, I really don't, I'm not interested in people's names. But the scriptures call men that abuse and act like this yeah. and don't walk nobly with God and don't care for what God cares about as worthless. Worthless. Yep. No good men. No good men. That's good for nothing. Scri- that's actually what the scripture says. Yep. So even the story, it's not condoning it, it's saying these men are gross. These men are gross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's awful. Final final text that I want to read. Um, this is in First Kings now. Chapter 21. This is when Ahab is ruling and Ahab, obviously, we know his wife is the evil queen Jezebel. And, you know, she, her enemy is Elijah, <laughs> the great prophet Elijah. But this is in chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Now Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden. Because it is near my house, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. And Ahab went into his house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. For he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. So he had a little bit, a little tenter tamper, <laughs> temper tantrum, like a little whiny little baby. Gal. A little boy. A little boy. Oh, my goodness. But Jezebel, his wife, you know, this wicked <coughs> Jezebel. The little boy's married to a wicked woman. Okay. A wicked woman yeah, who that, bosses him around and really rules. That makes sense. Yeah. His wife came to him and said to him, why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel his wife said to him, Do you not govern Israel? 
Arise, eat bread, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Verse 8, so she wrote letters in, Ahab, in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And set, here we go, and set two worthless men mm. in, opposite him. And let them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of this city and the elders and the leaders who lived in, the, in his city did as Jezebel had sent word to them. As it was written in the letters that she had sent to him, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him. And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned. He is dead. This is fascinating. Why? In the letter that Jezebel writes in the name of Ahab, set, like, set two worthless men, sons of worthlessness, to give false accusations against Naboth. What, what, why is that so fascinating? Because obviously people know who, the, who fit the bill of a worthless man. They already have a reputation of being worthless men. Who, so who are the guys in this city that are, are, are so low and so good for nothing that, that we know that they will be so willing to just lie about this guy Naboth to get him killed? Oh yeah, I'll I'll be the guy. Find those men. We we already know who they are. Hmm. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, they had a reputation. They had a reputation. Yep. 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 That's interesting. And so we add to our character profile of a son of worthlessness uh, a liar. Sure. Liar. Sure. A guy who will. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't have integrity. Does have, has no integrity. Yep. Sure, I'll do this. Yeah, I'll lie and get this guy killed. I'll be the guy that, you know, makes up false accusations. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Not good. So I think that's fascinating. I mean, obviously Ahab is another fascinating thing. What a whiny little baby. <laughs> he he wants Naboth's vineyard to make into a vegetable garden. Like, come on. <laughs> a vegetable garden. Into it too much. Oh, and then he pouts. Oh man. Uh, Yeah. So that's. I mean, there's some more that we could say. There's even a couple phrases or a couple passages in in Proverbs that hit on this worthlessness thing too. I'll just read just a couple of quick verses. Well, you've kind of labored it already. Yeah. uh, A worthless person, a wicked man, is one who walks with a perverse mouth. Yeah. A worthless person digs up evil while his words are like scorching fire. Sure. A worthless witness makes a mockery of justice. So that's like these guys with with Naboth and Jezebel. And the mouth of the wicked swallows wrongdoing. So so all that to say, I think we've labored it enough. We've gone long enough. And there's just one place in the New Testament we could touch on though, right? Yep. That uses, so the the Greek uh, takes that that Hebrew word, Mm -hmm. a balel, and then it puts it into to Greek, and we see it in Second Corinthians, 
Second Corinthians, chapter six, okay. verse, verse fifteen. Okay, you know Jesus is saying, "Don't be unequally yoked yep. with non-believers." He's talking about marriage. For what portion does Christ have with Belial? Yeah, and it it capitalizes it, makes it a proper noun, and it's basically using this common phrase that we've looked at in the Old Testament, yeah. and it and it makes it a name for Satan. Yeah. So that's that's fascinating. So, and when he's talking about unequally yoked, right? So obviously the context seems to apply to marriage, but you could expand this, and he's fundamentally saying is that this idea of a man of valor or courage doesn't coexist with being a worth, son of worthlessness. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, they don't fit. Yep, it's a... a, a bull. I mean, it's the contrast is so vivid, right? Like, what accord has Christ with Belial? Yeah, you're taking the son of worthlessness and you're making it a title for Satan. So, what what accord does Christ Which have with Satan? Which is really crazy, right? He yep. went beyond saying, "Well, there's just this character quality." And I, you know, when I did a little bit of backdrop, again, you went deeper dive than I went, Sam. But it even just had this um, this connotation of demonic activity. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of again. You know, we could talk about a cosmic conflict, which yep. we want to do on another podcast. But there's something about the sons of worthlessness who really do represent wickedness. The works e- of Satan. E- evil, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It says, Christ with Bilal, unbeliever with believer, temple of God with idols. Like, these these black and white contrasts. So all that we're trying to say now is that yep. a godly man, a true man, is totally black and white contrasted with this son of worthlessness yeah. so it'd be so you could go through and you start talking about sons of worthlessness and you know it's it's what you might think but you know fruits of the flesh yep you know lying deception lack of integrity uh lazy lazy acting like a little boy does not know god does not follow god yep. rejects god's way of salvation right rejects god's anointed people yep. pouts pouts uh, i mean we go down whole characters yeah right and and so it's real and so you know, it's just been intriguing to me. This is a great study for young men to be thinking through. Okay. What not to be. Yep. I walk with God, and I want to have a stature before God and men. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't want to be the guy that somebody calls on because they think he's going to lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. Woo. I want to be complete opposite. I want to be a man of integrity. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, I think that's enough for yeah. this one. This is great. Kind of fascinating. Yeah. Son of worthlessness. Don't be that. You probably didn't even realize there was such a, a category in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those rocks that tipped over and was like, whoa, there's something here. Yeah. And it's co- in contrast to a theme that we brought out a lot in masculinity. I'm not trying to keep laboring. Bravery, it, courage. Men of valiant or courage. Yep. Valor. And, and if I could give that construct quick, the idea of courage, valiance, valor, courage, goes hand in hand in the scripture with the man who trusts God. Yep. It's not... I crank up and I'm tough and I'm not afraid of anything. It's like, no, I may even be afraid of something, but I'm going to do the right thing Yeah, because I walk with God. And so I walk in trust, which yes. looks like both courage and obedience. Right. It's, it's kind of tied together. And that's a whole construct in Scripture. It's fun to kind of think about, too, that this ties together. So, so it's contrasting the man of courage, the man who trusts God, the man who obeys, to a son of worthlessness. Mm-hmm. What a great contrast. Yep. Crazy. Okay, so thanks for listening to the Preach and Persuade podcast. Again, a few things that you could do that would really help us out is leave a rating. 
on whatever you listen to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a rating for us. Uh, you could even write a review. You could even subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. That helps with discoverability. That helps this get out to more people. Um, that would be fantastic. You could learn more about our ministry if you want at afci.us. The link is in the show notes. Uh, read about our different ministers. Read about what makes us unique as a ministry. Um, and you can also give a donation. You know, obviously, uh, I pay for this podcast and I'm able to do this because people give to my ministry. Uh, and so you can, if you want to give, you can totally give. There's also a link in the show notes to to, to give um, through AFCI to what Dan and I do. So that would be awesome as well. So thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.